Welcome to Monster Chats, presented by Monster VoIP, where we share the tools, methods, and best practices that business leaders use to build new connections, strengthen relationships, and impact sales and organizations of all shapes and sizes. If you have any questions that come up during today's episode, please text them to 424-378-6966. Please welcome the founder of Monster VoIP, your host, Colin Mitchell. On today's episode, we're going to be talking with TJ Kenyana from Learning Fuse. TJ and I are going to be talking about job search, resume building, LinkedIn interviewing, and salary negotiation. TJ's role has allowed him to get involved in the community, and something he's gotten really passionate over the past three years is networking and community building. I'm Colin Mitchell, your host of Monster Chats and the founder of Monster VoIP. After TJ went to school in Boston and working throughout North America for four years in the tech staffing industry, TJ decided to come home to California. During his transition home, TJ and a friend had an app idea. So instead of paying someone else to do it, he decided to invest in himself and attend Learning Fuse, the top-rated coding boot camp in Orange County. After graduating, he was brought on by a program manager and leads career service services, admissions, and business development for the boot camp. He loves sports, any outdoor activity, cooking, and is excited about the growth of the tech scene in OC. TJ, thanks so much for joining. Thanks for having me, Colin. Yeah, awesome. So, uh, you know, the bio tells us a lot, but tell us your story. Like, tell us a little bit more, like, about yourself um, and kind of what your journey was from like going to school and, and taking the course and then, you know, you know, getting where you're at now with, uh, with the bootcamp. Yeah. So, uh, it, it's, I love this kind of question cause it's one that we go over with the bootcamp students a lot too, is, yeah. you know, the introduction, tell me about yourself and it kicks off almost every interview yet. You'd be surprised how many people struggle, uh, to tell their own story. And so, you know, for me, I've kind of always been around tech. My dad actually uh, was working in tech back in the 80s and 90s. And so we were talking about it nonstop. Uh, I didn't major in it. I did take a coding class, uh, but didn't, you know, really enjoy it at the time. And then uh, having, you know, graduated and having my dad had worked in tech, I, you know, kind of been around it, jumped into staffing myself, loved, you know, working and kind of learning what clients needs were. And, you know, talking to these developers all day. And so when I left my role uh, after four years and decided it was time for a change, uh, I had this app idea with a friend where uh, we were kind of bouncing ideas around and mm-hmm. thought about an app for farmer's markets and kind of realized that farmer's markets probably don't need that just yet. Um, but, you know, not having a proof of concept and thinking about having to spend, let's say, twenty to $30,000, that's for like a cheap, cheap app. It just didn't make a ton of sense to me. And so, man, if I could, you know, I was talking to all these developers. I love building things. And so I decided to take the coding boot camp and uh, found Learning Fuse through Course Report and SwitchUp, which are kind of the review sites that give a lot of insight into what the boot camps do. And they were the top rated program, you know. So at first, I, you know, wanted to do my research, reach out and, you know, get to know them a little bit. And, um, the sec- second I stepped on campus, it was kind of just a change of, I guess, perspective from traditional education. It, you know, is so it's a much more inclusive and open space. And, you know, going through the classes was great. Loved uh, building applications. It, you know, coding for anybody who does it, it, it can get addicting, which is a little dangerous. 
Um, you know, there are those late, late nights. And then after graduating, um, having gone and worked and having, you know, had the experience in staffing and hiring, they, you know, said, mm -hmm. Hey, would you be interested in leading our career services? Uh, because that's what most people come to a boot camp for is to get a job afterwards. And so I figured why not? And it then gave me the opportunity to connect with the Orange County tech scene. And, um, you know, I've loved getting involved with those, uh, you know, networking groups like OC tech happy hour. And then, um, mm -hmm. recently I actually about a year ago joined startup grind, uh, and we've been putting on about monthly events there. So it's kind of been this really cool balance of being around these people who are learning, changing their lives, but then also allowing me to see the growth that it Orange County is experiencing. Right. Yeah. Wow. So did you build the app? Uh, not yet. No. So uh, after going through and learning, because before this, I didn't know that MVP, how important the concept was. Yeah. And so then we did a little bit of testing, asked people and the consistent feedback was, I don't go to a farmer's market to sit on my phone. You know, I want to talk to family, friends, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they kind of, mo people mosey through farmer's markets with their yeah. coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, tell me a little bit about like that, you know, having the idea to build an app and then knowing kind of having, having an idea of what it would cost to maybe build it. And then just being willing to take that plunge of like investing in yourself and, and sign up for the course. What was that like? Tell me, you know, about that process. Yeah. So it, for me, it was definitely a lot different than um, our traditional students. So most of our students come to us because they've gone down a path where they um, maybe didn't major or study something in college that they find out they, you know, wanted to do. For example, they study pre-med, they find out, you know, in their first, you know, internship or residency or whatever, oh my gosh, I don't like blood. Well, gosh, you, you know, that could have been four years ago that you could have learned that. Um, other people pursued passions and, and then others, you know, I hate the term dropped out of college because I think it has such a bad connotation where yeah. people just had to step away. And so now they're trying to get back on track. Whereas me, I came in with a unique kind of perspective of my goal is to build this application. Um, the other way I looked at the, that and I, the way I like to look at a lot of different decisions in my life is what is, what are the different outcomes that, you know, I could have? So for me, worst case scenario of going to a boot camp and spending $12,000 was I don't want to code ever again. And I go back to technical staffing, but now I'm even better than I was beforehand and I'm going to be more successful. Mm -hmm. um, and that was the worst case scenario. And for me looking at that, I was like, that's not that bad of a worst case scenario. Um, you know, middle of the road scenario, I end up staying in tech. I can now use these skills and you know, maybe not in a recruiting standpoint, but take them to help, you know, build a company. And, you know, I think one of the things I'd like to, you know, and, and circle back to after, you know, learning fuse is get to the point where I'm, you know, helping a startup, you know, build because I can understand both the business side and, and the tech side. And, um, and then best case scenario was, you know, I build this app, it's a billion dollar app, and you know, I'm, I'm set. <laughs> and then the actual scenario, right? Yeah. And then you know, what actually happened was, you know, they had uh, a person who was doing career services and, and this is kind of the, the typical, you know, I guess kind of setup for most boot camps is you have somebody who's doing it. Um, but some of the time they're part-time, they might help you build a resume, you know, tell you to build a LinkedIn profile, but 
they're not hands-on or they haven't hired anybody themselves. Mm -hmm. And so when they asked me to join one, I loved the environment in the community. So I was like, wait, I can stay around these people for, you know, even more time. Yes. Um, and on top of that, it was able to allow me to build off of my previous skills, which to be honest, I was a little worried that I was going to kind of leave them behind, um, yeah. you know, and say, wow, that was four years, you know, of, of staffing and hiring and job searching that, you know, I, I guess that it's a wash, but, um, I was able to combine those two and, you know, what started out as career services has now morphed into the admissions as well. Cause we want to make sure people are ready for the program. Cause it's really, really difficult. Um, mm -hmm. a lot of different people from different backgrounds could do it, but it's not meant, you know, for everybody. And so the actual outcome, you know, I, you know, it's led me to, you know, obviously being still a part of the program, but then also once again, I love the connection with the community and getting to know what's happening in Orange County. Cause um, it does feel like I'm also part of building the Orange County tech scene, which it sounds weird to say that because you think of the real housewives of Orange County and you think of, you know, finance or Disneyland. Mm. Um, yeah. Very rarely do people think of tech when you hear Orange County. Mm. So, I mean, tell me a little bit more about the career services, right? So maybe for the people that don't, you know, don't know, um, is that pretty unusual to have somebody that's like really dedicated to, you know, helping people that have, you know, completed the boot camp, then, you know, find a job. It's becoming more and more common. Um, and you know, we see it with the boot camps who are a little bit more student focused rather than, um, you know, let's say profit focused, mm -hmm. um, you know, boot camps that have grown with investor, uh, funding typically tend to cut some of those, you know, uh, you know, whether it's, in-person teaching or the career services support uh, to save a little bit of money. And so what ends up happening usually is there is a career services department, but they kind of leave it and treat it similarly to the way we did in college, which is you've got to come to us, you know, find us, let us know when you need help. And most people, you know, they, they feel weird, you know, asking for help mm -hmm. sometimes. And, and that's, I think, probably the biggest thing people need to get out of their own way when it comes to the job search. And you know, we talk about this in the program and you read about it day in and day out is network. You, we all have this internal network of family and friends where I hope when you call up your cousin or your aunt or your brother or sister and you say, Hey, I, I'm looking for a job right now. Do you know anybody hiring in this industry or could you point me in a direction? They're going to mm -hmm. say either yes, or you know what? I don't, but they're at least they're going to keep you in mind. And that's one of those things where, you know, we try to get students to do that as often as possible in the program, but it really comes back to this idea that people are worried about saying that they need help. And so the way that we look at it from, you know, our perspective is it does require a little bit of more work on our end, but we're going to check in with people. You know, we have students who have graduated, let's say three or four months ago, and they haven't logged into Slack, you know, in a couple of weeks. And so we're going to reach out with, you know, a Slack message, a phone call, a text message. Heck, we'll even shoot you an Instagram DM because we need you to know that we're here to help you. Um, and we want to make sure that even if tech isn't, you know, your future career, there's so many ways we can help you with your job search because um, they invested in us. And when you come to our program, our commitment to you is that as long as you are still working with us, as long as you are, you know, staying in contact, that's really it. As long as you're staying in contact, we're going to help you. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so 
once they finish the boot camp, what's kind of the process to like get them ready to start, you know, being a better networker, um, tapping into those connections and, you know, start to get a job. Cause I mean, with the current situation, I think there's probably a lot of people that are now trying to get skills that they didn't have before and kind of get prepared for this really tough job market that we're going to experience. Yeah. So we actually started during the program. Um, so mm. our goal is in that 12 weeks, we want to teach you all of the technical skills and as much of the career services and even soft skills as well. That's going to help you, you know, land a job. Now, to expect somebody to be ready to start their job search on day one after graduating is a lot. We have the occasional student who can do that. Most of them need a little bit of time to kind of regroup, breathe for a little bit because they were just yeah. working their butts off for three months. Um, and so what we do is we give them all the tools during it, but then afterwards they usually spend about two to three weeks, um, you know, kind of pulling everything together. You know, I would say polishing would be the best way to, to put it. They're mm -hmm. making their applications that they built in the program really pretty. They're putting it onto a portfolio website because, you know, if you're a hiring manager and you get a resume that doesn't have a CS degree or doesn't have professional experience in development, you're kind of going to be like, well, wait, why should I bring you in for an interview? Oh, oh, great. You've got a portfolio. Oh, you've got a GitHub um, and I can see your coding skills. So a lot of it's polishing a lot of that stuff together. Um, we try to have them, once again, during the program, one of the things we recently had them do is um, I actually give them a form to send out to five family and friends that ask their family and friends for ideas of what they can build in the program. Because they, once again, they're a little nervous to talk to people, but if you give them this kind of this, this push, this catalyst that says, hey, you're not asking them for a job. You're just asking them for feedback on your apps. And oh, by the way, because you're doing that, they're now going to keep you in mind for these other developer jobs that might come up, or maybe they hear, you know, of a family or friend, you know, or, or a coworker who's, who's looking for something to, someone to build a website. So um, that's the general stuff that we're covering in the bootcamp. For people that are doing a bootcamp or just a job search, you know, in, in general on their own, and, you know, we're, we're seeing obviously record unemployment numbers. And so for anybody out there who's getting ready to do that, um, as I said, one, first things first, talk to your network, you know, go back to start with your family and friends because they're what we like to call evangelists. They should be willing to help you no matter what. Um, then go to past coworkers. You know, if you've worked at other companies, college, uh, you know, classmates, stuff like that, you know, even tapping into your local parish or your, your religious group that, you know, you're involved with. Um, so once one, let them know. So start by giving, getting people on the radar, uh, you know, getting people, getting on people's radar, I guess would be the way to say it. Um, and then you're going to want to put together what is needed for your job search. So, um, what I like to look at the job search is kind of like a pyramid, you know, you've got your foundation and your foundation is all of your branding, um, your resume, your mm -hmm. LinkedIn profile. If you're in a, uh, a industry that has an opportunity to show a portfolio of your work, try to put that together. Uh, photography, videography, uh, coding, design, um, you know, heck, even just coaching, you know, stuff. You, you put a website out there because mm -hmm. it's going to separate you a little bit more. Um, work on, you know, a few different cover letters, uh, you know, and have some of those ready, but don't use a copy and paste templated one. Mm -hmm. um, and now you've got your foundation and your branding in place so that now when you start applying, when your application finds the person's eyes that, you know, whether it's a recruiter or a hiring manager, 
um, they can now see who you are because one of the things a lot of people don't realize about the job search is um, what goes on from the other side. So mm. you post a job, you're going to get on average 150 to 250 resumes. Um, smaller companies or tougher positions might be a little bit less, larger yeah. companies a little bit higher. 75% of those resumes never see a human eye because of an applicant tracking system. Um, mm. So by the time you've gotten to somebody, you need to make sure that you're going to stand out because you, Colin, have a job to do. You have a 40-hour-a-week day-to-day so, thing. Can we go back for a second? Yeah. So 75% of those never get to a, a human eye yeah. because of the applicant tracking, right? So what, what stops those from getting through? Yeah, so easiest way to think about applicant tracking systems are kind of like your uh, finder or control F on your computer. You know, mm -hmm. you want to find something on a document. You say, let's say you're hiring for a web developer. You mm -hmm. type in JavaScript and it's going to highlight everywhere on that resume that that person has JavaScript. So it's pretty much that on steroids. So as a hiring manager, let's just continue to use a developer example, you're gonna put in the key terms that you need to see on the resume. Um, outside of that, applicant tracking systems allow people to also filter degrees, years of experience. Um, and the tough part with that is certain resume formats, uh, certain you know placements of keywords and everything mm -hmm. could make or break uh, your mm. possibility of getting past it. So for example, um, submitting a resume in a PDF format is less effective than a Word doc because sometimes the, the applicant tracking systems may not properly scan a PDF. Um, mm. we're, it's getting better nowadays. That was more of an issue back um, you know, about four or five years ago. But on top of that keyword, you know, usage, this is one of the reasons why, you know, job seekers and, and, and coaches constantly say, tailor your resume to the job because changing the term from developer to programmer could be the thing that, you know, pushes you over the edge. I like to talk to the students about reverse engineering your resume and your LinkedIn based off of the jobs you're interested in. A quick question. And uh, I'm not an expert on this, yeah. but do, would you suggest them tailoring the, the resume specific to verbiage or language in the job Absolutely. description, like not just sending the same resume to everybody, but if it says, you know, they're looking for Python, then, you know, have Python appear in your resume many times so that yeah. when they find it, it's like, Oh, this guy must really be an expert in Python. Yeah. And it's not just the language itself, but it's the concepts within that language. So for example, if it's a job in Python and you know, you're talking about, you know, dictionaries, you know, you're using a term that is specific to Python. Whereas if you're talking about JavaScript and you're talking about objects, now you're, you're talking about the same thing, right. but they're specific to that role. So for example, with, you know, you could have AWS, but you also need to have the terms cloud and deploy, you know, on there. instance might be another, you know, good mm. one to have. So I suggest that the students, I mean, you, it, it feels weird doing that because, yeah. you know, it slows down the number of applications you get out, which that's what worries people is I only got out four to five applications today. Well, if those four to five applications were high quality and tailored, you're going to get a few more responses rather than just one click applying, you know, and you're blasting it out where, you know, maybe you send 10. So quality is more important than quantity. Absolutely. When, yeah. when, jo when job searching. So if the, even if the job posting says programmer or developer, then change your resume to match what they're, what they're looking for. 
Yeah. And, 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 you know, maybe be a little bit more specific about the ones that you apply to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, definitely. And the way I like to look at it and talk to the students about it is look at it as kind of, you know, a balance. Um, you know, yes, get some resumes out there that are more of just that numbers game. So for our students, because they're typically going to roll into and start in a junior developer role, if you see a position that says three to five years of experience, you know, and you only hit, let's say, 50% of the languages, you know, yes, still apply because you still have a really good chance of possibly getting an interview, but don't spend 20 to 30 minutes updating your resume, tweaking everything and matching mm -hmm. every word. Use the template that you have or the, let's say the web developer one, tweak it up a tiny bit and then send it out. Now mm -hmm. you find a job posting that is here in Orange County. Let's say it's in Irvine. It's, you know, off of, um, you know, Irvine Spectrum Drive. It turns out it's right around the corner from your house and you hit 75% of the job description and it's a junior role, I would say spend 30 minutes, maybe even up to an hour, you know, mm. putting in the time. Now, the other thing you want to do is you don't want to lose that uh, investment in time by just sitting there and saying, hey, that was good. Now mm. let's let the, the forces that be, you know, follow up, um, you know, or, or reach back out to me. No, follow up with that company. Try to make a connection maybe with somebody on LinkedIn. Um, that's another thing I, I think job seekers get worried about bothering, um, you know, hiring managers where yeah. it, there's, there's definitely a line, but if somebody's following up with you and saying, Hey, Colin, I applied, just wanted to make sure you got my resume. Love to hear Look, look forward to hear back. If you need anything else, let me know. And mm -hmm. then they call a week later, you know, or they shoot you an email. Mm -hmm. Um, that's persistence. Now, yeah. if they call in and they say, Hey, Colin, I applied, when are you going to set up the interview? Now you're a little bit bothered, but, Persistence is something we love from yeah. employees, you know? Yeah, yeah. You want I mean, your salespeople to be persistent. You're, you you got to put your sales hat on, right? Yeah. You're like, and, you know, sales, you know, for it, sales, you got to break through the noise, right? How are you going to be different? How are you going to be unique? How are you going to be persistent, consistent, right? So, you know, not in sales, if you just sent emails all day and just sat back and hoped that people were going to, you know, sign up for your service or buy your product, you'd be broke. Yep. Right. So <laughs> if you just apply to, you know, just hit the, send the same resume to everybody, you know, and sit back and hope that you're going to get a job, maybe you get lucky. Right. But if you take more time, you be unique, you be different. You said, you know, build a website, you know, with your portfolio, you know, some, you know, something different that people maybe aren't doing, send that resume, polish it to be more specific, more personalized to the role. Um, send a, a note, a handwritten letter, a yeah. LinkedIn request, a phone call. You know, do you think that yours is more likely to be viewed? Probably. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and, and, and it gets back to these statistics and what is going on in the other side, you know, of the, the, the screen essentially. So for us, it's easy to look at a job description, see it on it. Let's say it's indeed. Um, they see it on indeed. It looks great. One click apply. That's my job. That's me. They wrote it for, you know, me. Well, mm -hmm. guess who's saying that every yeah. other person who just graduated from a boot camp, people who haven't graduated from a boot camp, because mm -hmm. guess what? Indeed isn't stopping them from one click applying. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a, a, I have issues with indeed and ZipRecruiter and, and their marketing because it's very misleading. You know, yeah. they indeed calls themselves the number one job site in the world. Yet the vast majority of their postings are either expired or, you know, uh, outdated. And so 
yeah, they have a ton of jobs, but, but those jobs aren't actually hiring. But they're almost hurting the job seekers, right? Because Absolutely. they're making the applying process so simple, so easy that they think that's all you have to do. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's, and that's where, you know, it, it's funny because you constantly hear about whether it's, you know, once again, a website or a platform that's going to fix the hiring process. It's not going to happen because at the end of the day, I still need to look at a resume. I still need to talk to somebody, you know, who's sitting across the table from me. Mm -hmm. And I still have work to do on my own on a day-to-day -day basis that is going to slow that process down. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, and that's where, once again, until a job seeker says, what is going on in Colin's life? You know, what is, what is his day-to-day? -day? How can I make myself stand out even more? Because guess what? He just got 50 applications. How do mm -hmm. I be the one that's a little bit more memorable? And then throughout the entire process, how do I constantly separate myself from other candidates? And one of the things you mentioned that I absolutely love, and I've had so many students and hiring managers follow up about this, is the thank you cards. Mm -hmm. Handwriting a thank you card is the easiest way to stand out in a job search because nobody does it anymore. And, you know, even if you're on the fence, like imagine being on the fence about a candidate and now you get a handwritten thank you card. You're like, heck, I don't even think TJ is the right guy, but we're going to bring him in just to talk again because he did that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's amazing. I know we spent, we spent a lot of time on this, but I think it's a really important topic because there's going to, there's going to, there, obviously there's going to be a lot of job seekers right now. Right. So do you guys track anything as far as like paying attention to like how many jobs there were, there were before, you know, COVID-19 and how many there are now? And do you guys track or pay attention to any of that sort of stuff? Yeah, I'd say more of pay attention because tracking is difficult because if you, let's say you sign up for the, the, the alerts and you're trying to update that each day, mm -hmm. it's either the same job, you know, that they just reposted um, yeah. or it's an old job that companies just leave open because mm -hmm. a lot of companies that have roles that they're constantly filling, I like yeah. to call it just kind of the revolving door, which is a little yeah. bit of a red flag. You kind of want to ask why has this been posted yeah. for 30 days? Um, what we're seeing is obviously there's no question about it. There is a dip in job, new jobs that are being posted. Yeah. Um, and in addition to that, there has been a slowdown in the number of interviews that students are getting. Um, now with that being said, we do have students who are still getting interviews and actually had a student yesterday who got a job offer. Mm -hmm. And it's because of the fact that he is staying active. Um, he went a, a, a outside of Indeed and ZipRecruiter. He went actually, I really liked what he did. He got creative. He, um, he went to Meetup. He went on Meetup and he found local groups in the area. And even if he hadn't been to an event yet, he reached out to some of their organizers and the people there and started to connect with them um, through that. And then that led to some of these interviews, you know, and um, ultimately an offer. So, yeah. It, it, there's definitely a slowdown. Um, but the worst thing that people can do is just stop. You know, right. you can't say, woe is me, you know, I'm not going to find a job because guess what? There's somebody else waiting in line right behind you to take that position. Yeah. Um, and, and that is the, the, the toughest part about the job search is you're going in, it's like sales. And I think one of the reasons salespeople are a little bit more effective with their job search is they're used to hearing no. You know, so you have to go into a job search with the mindset and the realistic, you know, ness that 
you're going to hear no. You're not mm-hmm. going to hear back from people. You know, you're <clears> going to interview with a company. It's going to feel great. And then they're going to email you two or three days later and say, hey, we moved forward with someone else. And you just don't, you, there's so many factors out of your control. Um, what you can do though, is you can control your activity. You can, you know, make sure that you have a game plan in place. Another thing that I think is really important to have for your job uh, search is kind of fallback things that, that, you know, everybody has these tough days and mm-hmm. you know, what do you do when you, you know, have a project that either just you, you lose the bid on it, or let's say, you know, you have something go, you know, happen at work and, and, and everything, you know, feels like it's, it's falling apart you know, what do you do? Do you, you know, do you go grab a beer and you kind of decompress for a little bit? Do you go for a run? Do you go for a swim? Um, have those ready because the worst Mm -hmm. thing to do is to hear back from an interview, you know, get rejected after three rounds and then you go shoot, you know, I should, I should probably stop for a few days. No, you know, take a break, re, you know, group and everything, but then get back on the horse and, you know, get back at it because once again, everybody else is still doing it. Right. Yeah. And, and then also a few other things I think you said too, is, is, you know, be, be consistent, obviously, right. Try to be different or unique. Mm-hmm. Right. And, 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 and think I like, I love that, you know, he went to the meetup group and found organizers, like be creative, think outside the box. Don't just do yeah. what everybody else is doing. And, and, and these things all apply to all job seekers, not just job seekers in tech. These are like really helpful yeah. things. That I think people really need to hear right now. Yeah. And, and you know, what's funny is, you know, it, it's it, people think, cause this is another thing is, is, you know, you say be creative or, you know, separate yourself. And some people are like, well, gosh, I don't know how to do that. Or I'm not a creative person. Um, and part of it actually isn't being creative or separating yourself. It's just doing a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So, so let's say you're prepping for an interview. Most people are going to go look at the job description and, you know, study that. And that's about it. Well, if you look at the job description, you go to the interviewer, you know, look at, you know, Colin's LinkedIn profile, get to know Colin, maybe find that Colin has done, you know, an interview before with another podcast. And now I know a little bit more about you. Mm-hmm. Not only can I come in and connect with you a little bit better, but if I've done my prep on the job description on the company, I can now ask questions that show that I've done my research. And that's another easy way to separate yourself from most other candidates. And it's, um, a lot of people just go through the motions. And it seems simple, but it, and it's obviously crazy. Most people are not doing that. Yeah. So when yeah, people do, it really stands out. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and and it's something that I learned pretty early on. I actually can still vividly remember the interview that I had back in the Boston College Career Center, which was a house. Uh, and it, in the attic of the career center, I had an interview with GE healthcare and during the interview, they, even before the interview, they said, you're going to go into, you know, the, the sales training program, but you're not going to be assigned a specific, uh, unit. And I go, okay, cool. Well, I don't need to study the different units. And I go into the interview and in the interview, they asked me and they said, well, which unit are you most interested in working in? Or what would your top three be? And I just realized, I go, oh my God, like, I could have spent 15 minutes scanning through those and I would have had an answer to that. And that I started sweating immediately because it was a panel interview too. It was humid and, you know, I think it was like May or something getting ready to be summer in in Boston. And I go, I'm never going to go into another interview without prepping and looking as much up about the role and the company and the people 
as I can because this is one of my favorite things is nobody has ever left an interview and said I was overprepared. What they say instead is, wow, I did well, or that was a great interview. But people do leave an interview and say, I wish I'd studied a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about getting a coding education, right? So when, you know, somebody, and I think we talked about this a little bit before, right? There's people coming from different, you know, people that are maybe college wasn't for them. um, People that maybe graduated college and then they're like, Hey, I don't really love doing what I thought I'd love doing. Um, And then maybe even people who, you know, didn't go to college at all. And and you're also seeing, you know, a younger generation of people start to sign up for the boot camps as well, right? So what are their options for getting a coding education regardless of where they're coming from? Yeah. So the thing that we always suggest to people is, you know, start with some of these online tutorials. There's some amazing websites out there. And before you spend the money, you know, in the investment in a boot camp, Um, make sure you enjoy it. And, you know, for example, like Pluralsight is offering all of their courses for free right now, um, which is super great. I believe Coursera might be doing something similar. You have Udemy, which is, I think most of their classes are only about $10. So, you know, Mm -hmm. make sure that you, and get as far as you can on your own before then saying, you know what, I need somebody else and I need Um, you know, I need to pay and invest in this extra, you know, bit of, you know, I guess kind of not bit, but a lot of money and time. Um, And then of course you want to look at kind of what your goals are. You know, if your goal and where most coding boot camps, you know, specialize is your goal is to get into a web development or software engineering job. And you know that that's what you want to do. Well then be very um, intentional about it and make sure you Mm -hmm. put, you know, everything in place. And, and then of course do your research, you know, on the boot camps because, even though I would say, hey, everybody come to Learning Fuse, um, there's a ton of amazing boot camps out there. Uh, there are also some programs that are kind of just more in it for the money, and they're taking a lot of people in that probably shouldn't be doing a boot camp. And that's where you see these negative reviews and, and articles about people who felt that they were wronged. Um, but I would say, one, you know, look at the boot camps, obviously, reviews that are out there. Talk to alumni, you know, who have gone there. Get an idea as to how much work it mm. was. Um, for them to go and, and to do that because that's another thing I think some people don't realize is how much work a boot camp is and how much mm. work it is to learn um, you know this technical stuff because it's really easy to look out and say oh my cousin did this or you know my friend from college did this or my fraternity brother did this and what they don't tell you is how difficult it was they tell you what they enjoyed about it but very rarely do they tell you that they sat up at night scratching their head, wondering if this was even for them because they were going through the valley of, you know, despair and they're experiencing all the different levels of imposter syndrome. Mm. Um, so I think, I think looking into, you know, boot camps, um, looking into training, you know, programs, I guess the, the term, the best term to use is upskilling um, right now. LinkedIn learning has a ton of great resources uh, one of the cool things about LinkedIn Learning's resources too is you can actually add the certificate to your profile. Oh, nice! Uh, you know, the certificates hold a little bit of weight, but I look at them as more as they show you that you're passionate and interested in it. Yeah, and well, and they just show that you're actually are investing in yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about the process of like somebody coming to you guys and trying to figure out, hey, you know, are they? a right fit as a student for you? Is it, are you guys, is learning fuse the right fit for them? Like what is that kind of evaluation process like? 
Yeah. So I think, I think the thing you brought up was perfect, which is, you know, we need to make it sure it's a right fit for both of us because there are other options out there. And if we're not the right one, the last thing we want to do is bring you in, take your money. And now you're having a poor experience because that was just, you know, it's not going to look good on us either. Um, so what we do is we offer a few different, um, kind of avenues for people to kind of just to what we like to say, get to know us. So we have our weekly info sessions, which are the equivalent of an open house and somebody can kind of come in, hear about what we're teaching, see some of the student projects, look at the curriculum and Mm -hmm. hear about our instructors. Um, so there's those every Wednesday evening and Wednesday morning. We also have some different ones for our part-time classes and our UX class that we have too. Uh, and then we have the part-time classes, which are these little two-week prep classes where somebody can take, uh, you know, it's about one to two hours of work, you know, per day. And you're learning the basics of HTML and CSS. And it's a great opportunity. So if people come to our info session, they can take one of those classes for free to kind mm-hmm. of dip their toes in the water and say, do I enjoy coding? Mm-hmm. Is Learning Fuse the right environment for me? You know, do I like their teaching style and, you know, the, the way they're delivering the curriculum? Um, and then if they do decide that this is something they want to invest in, we then have an in-person interview with them. Um, and during the interview, we want to look for much more of kind of the soft skills because the soft skills are not only what hiring managers value more. Uh, according to a LinkedIn uh, survey a year ago, it was 92% of hiring managers value soft skills as much, if not more than hard skills. And it's because mm-hmm. hard skills are easier to teach. You know, mm-hmm. we can't teach you to show up on time. And if that's going to be an issue before even the classes start, what's that going to you know, mean for during the program? Mm-hmm. Um, we can't teach you to be passionate about coding. And if you're not passionate about coding, how are you going to invest eight hours a day in just doing this? Yeah. And then imagine the job search where you're telling people, I love coding. Yes, I want to do this. Um, so we do an interview. Um, one of the other big things that we look for, and I'm a huge uh, you know, believer in, is, is grit. Uh, Angela Duckworth, I think, has you know, not only, of course, her TED Talks, her website, and her book, which you know, dive into it. And it's just such a great identifier for something that what they're about, the students are about to do. They're telling yeah. us they're following a passion. They're telling us they're hardworking. Well, when have you done that in your past? When have you gone through something that you felt like, wow, this is the most I've ever done. And we need to make sure that you're ready for this because it's easy for somebody once again to sit at home and do maybe four to five hours of kind of a a tutorial of coding, enjoy it a little bit, but eight hours a day for 12 weeks, it's a lot to commit to. Mm. Um, And we don't want to see people burn out. So So how do you gauge if they have grit? Yeah, that's always a fun one. So I like to, I like to have pretty informal interviews. Um, you know, want to ask kind of what people's backgrounds are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you, it's just like, it's a given that they have grit, you know, that they're a former, you know, veteran and they've served, you know, and so you know that they've been through a boot camp before and mm-hmm. they've, uh, you know, they've been through people who have really laid into them and told them, you know, some, un, you know, I guess, pleasant feedback. And you're like, yeah cool, you're going to be ready for us to give you soft feedback. Um, So there's some of those that are easy to stand out. You know, it's maybe the the person who, you know, the woman who was uh, getting working full time and getting her master's degree in the evening. And that was a total of 14 hours of work per day. That's Mm going to be something that's going to help identify that. Now, 
for people who don't have a more traditional, I guess, kind of grit experience, it comes down to asking about accomplishments that they're proud of. Um, you know, things that they've tried, they've gone through and, they, and they've maybe failed at. And mm -hmm. what did you do when you failed? So mm -hmm. when is the time that you've overcome, you know, a challenge? You know, what is something that you're proud of? Um, I had one student who said that his biggest accomplishment recently was climbing Mount Baldy. And for some mm -hmm. people, you look at that and you say, well, gosh, you know, people do that every day. Well, he trained for it. You know, he spent time making sure that he was going to be ready for it. He game planned things because he had had a friend who didn't, you know, make it all the way up. And he's like, that's not going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's more about kind of the, these questions of, you know, once again, you know, when have you done something that you're, you really had to focus and, and really lock in on? Yeah. Um, another one that I like to ask is what do your family and friends say about your decision to do a bootcamp? Because if they're questioning it to the point of, or, you know, to the point of, Hey, you shouldn't be doing this. Or if you aren't even looking to them to get their feedback, well, that's a little bit of a red flag too, mm -hmm. because it sounds like you don't have the support system that you need. And it's really difficult to come home every day and to have whether it's your significant other or one of your parents saying, TJ, why are you doing this? You know, you should be working and doing this because you need to make money right now. Well, it's going to be mm -hmm. hard for me to focus and, you know, make it through the end of the program. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, we're going to take a quick break just to tell you a little bit about what we do here at Monster VoIP. We help companies save 30 to 50% off their current business phone bill and provide them more value and features in the process. If you'd like to learn more, you can text us at 424-378-6966. TJ, we've talked a lot about job search, which is going to be super helpful for a lot of people right now. Um, you kind of, you know, told us a little bit about the evaluation process and, and things like that. And, you know, what the what resources there are to start to get some education or see if coding is something that you're passionate about. Um, but tell me a little bit, you know, when we first started, you know, you talked about really building the community in Orange County, right? And really trying to be a part of the community and networking of really putting OC on the map for tech. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so that's been an interesting experience for me because um, networking really wasn't on my radar. Uh, it, I think it's changed a little bit, but the company that I was at previously in staffing actually kind of frowned upon networking. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't see it as building a strong enough relationship with the client when, you know, what I've learned is that there's so many more people. You can't look at networking as a, I'm going to go in and I'm going to make that one connection and one sale and I'm done, you know, with mm -hmm. networking. Um, you know, I think, and that, that's, I think a big issue with the way that networking is kind of portrayed. Um, you want to look at it more as like going to the gym, you know, networking is about building relationships. It's about getting comfortable. And then it's, you're going to see the results of whatever your goals are for networking, whether it's finding a new job, whether it's finding potential clients, whether it's finding potential partners to work with, or just learning more about the tech community. And that's going to come after, you know, weeks and months, you know, of, of the investment and the time. Um, and so for me, it was one of those things where when I, you know, took the job as the career services, um, you know, director and, you know, kind of that morphed into a little bit of business development. Um, there's so many uh, beneficial, you know, factors for me to networking. You know, not only do I have the potential to meet hiring managers, um, you know, which would be amazing. Uh, but on top of that, there's people that I've met who have thought about boot camps and are, you know, potentially could be a student, you know, later on. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's what is going on in the Orange County tech scene. And that's been probably the most fun for me to get involved with is, you know, this idea that once again, Orange County isn't seen as a tech hub. You know, we're sandwiched in between LA and San Diego, which LA has Silicon Beach. You have all of these tech companies like uh, Snapchat and Tinder and I think Bird, you know, was, uh, started up in LA. And then you've got San Diego, which has, even though it's a smaller city, the San Diego downtown and, and you know, even up mm-hmm. near La Jolla a little bit, like they are really strong tech communities um, where some of their meetups get, you know, three, 400 people. And then you have Orange County. And Orange County is interesting because it's super spread out. Um, you don't have really a central downtown. There is no mm-hmm. downtown. What is downtown Irvine? You know, what is downtown Newport? Um, you have these smaller cities that have downtown, but it's not as if there's really this central hub where all of these businesses are located. Everybody lives and people are crossing paths and having um, what I love, uh, Carrie Ransom calls them collisions. And so what I've kind of enjoyed doing is getting to know the different networking groups, having and finding ways as to how we can also kind of work together too, because that's another thing I think for a while networking groups were all we've got our group and we can't let people, you know, we got to make sure our our members are taken care of and we don't want to lose them, you know, to other places. And now you're seeing more networking groups who are collaborating, um, doing, you know, kind of cross promotion and stuff Mm -hmm. like that or co uh, events. And um, over the past few years, you know, it's gone from, you know, this kind of area where, and, and I think Chris Decker probably really led the charge with OC tech happy hour, and, you know, you have that group, which has been so consistent and core to the tech scene in Orange County. And now you have these other groups that are kind of popping up around it, um, where, you know, you have Scott Fox and his OC Startups Council, which is a great one. Um, you've got Tech in Motion. You've got Vincent Dev Talks. Uh, I've loved being a part of Startup Grind and, you know, really showcasing the companies that are being built here in Orange County. Um, and then most recently, one of the big pushes, uh, Carrie, as I mentioned, um, he's got a podcast that I'm a big fan of too called Accelerate OC, talks a lot about what's going on here in the community. And they just built a venture studio that is kind of this mix of incubator, accelerator, and you know, venture capital fund, that, uh, but, but it's more about creating a space. And so mm-hmm. they do a lot of events and even with the current work from home situation, I want to say they've been doing about two to three events per week, uh, which has been really impressive because that's one of the biggest things we're missing right now is connecting to other people, whether you worked from home beforehand or not, you know, or you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert. I think we're all missing people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one thing you said that really stood out to me about, about networking is, is like, if you got to view it as going to the gym, right? So consistent, being consistent with it, doing it one time and and not landing a beneficial relationship and then saying you're done with it is not going to work. But being consistent and being that face that people see all the time so that when they are thinking of, you know, maybe somebody who can partner or use, you know, your service or product or whatever, then they're going to, you know, be more willing to connect you if they, you know, there's more consistency. Um, and also being more, I think, of what can you bring to the networking event and, and contribute rather than like, what can I get or take out of it? Yeah, then that's what it, uh, startup grind. That's one of the, the, the values and, you know, that, that the entire global community of startup grind has to adhere to is, you know, give first, 
you know, ask later. And, and the other one that I love mm. too is make friends, not connections, because yeah. um, that is really one of the things I've enjoyed too about it is, you know, we, we have, you know, our, our, our work family, we have our at home family. Yeah. Um, but you know, often we're such dynamic people that we, we look for more, you know, like I play in a kickball league and then there's the networking groups and I love hearing what's going on outside of our little, you know, bubble mm -hmm. at learning fuse. Um, and then, yeah, you have to look at it as an investment. Um, and with any investment, if you're looking at it as a quick, you know, get rich, you know, get rich quick scheme, you're, you should have red flags going off. You know, mm -hmm. when you hear mm -hmm. about the find one friend and bring in two more friends and then no, you know, yeah. you're going to make a Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that's a lot of, and I'm surprised those type of events are still around where you got to pay to play. And then, uh, and then, you know, you got to bring two leads to get one lead or I, I don't yeah. know how they work, but that's the, that's, I think, kind of the general opinion or experience that a lot of people had or think about networking. Yeah, definitely. And then, and that, you know, that, that's true. Cause who does networking most benefit or apply to it's people who are shell selling insurance or possibly real estate, you know, or, you know, financial services, because who's their target market? Almost everybody, you know, whereas you are looking for likely, you know, small, medium, large size businesses who are in the market for uh, VoIP services. You know, mm -hmm. I'm ideally looking for a development manager, a CTO, a director of engineering, um, you know, who would be hiring specifically web developers, you know, in the most of the time JavaScript tech stack. And so if we went into this, you know, event and, and the reason that I think a lot of people didn't do as much networking beforehand is because you didn't see that direct, you know, who's, who is my target market, who is my, yeah. you know, potential customer. And so everybody's fear is they're going to go in and we've all experienced this. You talk to somebody and halfway through the conversation, maybe even within 30 seconds, they want to hand you their business card and they want to set up a meeting later on. Yeah. That should be red flag number one. But yeah. the best part is that those people are f becoming fewer and far between. You know, yeah. it is, it's not like it's the majority of them. It's now one out of every 10. I, I think so one thing people need to think about for networking is treat everybody the same, right? Same intention, whether they're your ideal prospect, customer relationship or not, treat them all the same. Because also you never know who knows who, right? So yeah. just because they're not your ideal, don't cold shoulder them like, oh, you're not my you know, person that I need. So I'm going to go try to find them and be a snake about it, right? Just treat everybody the same, build relationships, and it'll all come back tenfold. Yeah. And then follow up. That's another big one that people mm. forget about is do you get those business cards and you put them on your desk, you know, at home or you, you know, you connect with somebody on LinkedIn and that's it, you know, but check either check in or just, you know, even a quick message that says, you know, great to meet you is going to make you that much more, you know, memorable. And then when something does come up that they know somebody, you are hopefully in that kind of sphere of, of somebody they're thinking about. Right. All right. We're just about out of time here. Um, thank you so much for your time, TJ. I really appreciate it. Uh, I think there's a That's lot awesome. of really, yeah, there's some really, uh, you know, good stuff here for people that are, you know, now in the job market. So I'm hoping it helps a lot of people. Um, we appreciate your time. 
Uh, welcome to the Monster Chats community. And before we let you go, just tell us, you know, where people can find you, connect with you, and then obviously, you know, where they can find out more information about Learning Fuse. Yeah. So Learning Fuse, um, it, it is spelled a little bit odd. So it's uh, learning and then F-U-Z-E dot com. Um, so you can find us there. Uh, we've got a few YouTube videos out there too, that might give people a little bit of, uh, you know, additional, um, insight into kind of the job search and what they can do. Um, and then for me, I'm all over LinkedIn. Um, so it's just first name, last name. So TJ Kenyon, last name is spelled K I N I O N. Um, and I love, you know, connecting with people, uh, feel free, even if, you know, let's say boot camps aren't your space. Maybe, you know, you're looking to, to make a career change or get into something else more than happy, you know, to take a look at a resume, a LinkedIn profile, provide a little bit of feedback there. Um, but yeah. And, you know, like I said, with, with learning views, we've got a lot of information on the website. Um, but if anybody does have specific questions uh, about the programs that we offer, cause we've got a few different ones. We've got our full immersion, which is three months. Uh, pretty much that's your dedicated focus. And, you know without a doubt that coding is what you want to get into. We've got our part-time classes, which are built for people who can't leave their full-time job. And those are during the week uh, in the evenings and then a, a quick four-hour, not quick, I guess four hours on Saturday. And then actually really excited because, um, you know, a lot of people want to get into tech, but coding might be a little bit too much heavy lifting if we're using the gym analogy still. Um, and, you know, that was the more of the power lifting side. And then we've actually got a UX UI program that we're launching on Saturday. So really oh, nice. excited about that because um, user experience, product, you know, management and, and product development are huge uh, careers and, and, and actually grown a lot because, you know, we've gotten past the, the time when everybody needed a website. Now everybody needs a website that looks really good. Mm -hmm. And, and gives a good experience. Yeah, yeah, gives a good experience, you yeah. know, doesn't make you log in right when you join. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, well, awesome. Thanks so much. Uh, appreciate it again. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, share, and we're also open to hearing your feedback. The show is all about you, and we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks, TJ. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Monster Chats, presented by Monster Voip, where we share the tools, methods, and best practices that business leaders use to build new connections, strengthen relationships, and impact sales in organizations of all shapes and sizes. If you have any questions from today's show and want to reach us directly, please text your question to 424-378-6966.